0: Entitled This A Repeat Disaster. Let me make sure I'm on. Okay. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, all right. Joshua chapter 2 in your Bible, a repeat disaster. We've come on the precipice of uh, Israel against the Jordan River. And if you remember, Israel left Egypt. Uh, As we think about this, do you ever have moments in your life when you're back at a place in your life where maybe you failed previously? What do you do when you're at these situations? And Joshua's back at a place that was disastrous before. Uh, They're back at a situation that warrants plenty of preparation. Now, if a church and if a family in our lives are to move forward to advance the cause of the Great Commission, it is through evangelizing and discipling. There needs to be ample preparation and complete dedication. So, here in Joshua chapter 2, there's a great preparation. And if you, I'm gonna, we're going to look at the first 11 verses and then ch- verses 23 and ch- uh, verse 24 of chapter 2 in Joshua. You get through Genesis, through Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. Here in the book of Joshua, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and then verses 23 and 24. Joshua is, what do I do to get the people across the Jordan River into the Promised Land? We're dealing with faith this morning. But in regards to faith, God's first desire is to cleanse our heart and prepare us to serve. If there is no cleansing, there can be no serving. And so here in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, let's follow along with me, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go view the land. Now that word secretly there, and this idea of secretly, we'll understand it here shortly. But it says, go view the land, even Jericho, and they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither, tonight of the children of Israel, to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. Now Jericho is afraid of the Israelites. Here is a massively fortified place Wonderful, I mean, just a brilliant military, and they're fearful of two men in their city. God's hand was upon Israel. Let's go forward. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. That word wist there means I do not know. And it came to pass, verse 5, about the time of shutting of the gate. When it was dark, she tells him, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. She's talking to these two spies. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Amazing testimony. Here is a woman, she's a prostitute, she says, we know that God's given you this land. She goes on to say, and that your terror has fallen upon us. Who did the terror? God did. God prepared the hearts of the Canaanites to say, listen, we know this is God's land that he's going to give to the Israelites. So God's done all these miracles to instill fear in the Canaanites, and it's worked pretty well. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. That's pretty amazing if God can split the waters of the Red Sea, some two million people or some large sum of the Israelites cross over on dry land. That's a miracle. That's pretty amazing that God does. Now look with me, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Remember this, Israel is not a warring nation. There are a whole bunch of slaves that came out, a whole bunch of farmers, and somehow, by God's grace, they slaughtered Sihon and Og. I mean, they just decimated. These kings came out against them to attack them and kill them. Israel defended herself, and by God's grace, they destroyed them. Here's a whole bunch of farmers and, and shepherds And a whole bunch of people that all they know is slavery rising up with God's help and defeating it. And that tells us that one of the things that... Now, I just want to take a quick aside on this, and I'll talk more about this this evening. But God has prepared the path forward. We as believers need to be faithful to God to do what God's called us to do because God has already worked in the hearts of those to whom we're to minister. We get so fearful of, of the world, not understanding that the world could very well be afraid of us. Because I carry with me, and you carry with you, if you're a born-again believer in God, you carry with you the spirit of the living God. You have God, and again, notice with me, Israel, verse 11, and as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man... Because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. God's saying, Listen, the battle's already won. I already wrote the end of the story, God says. The problem is, I doubt God. And by doubting God, I'm changing the story. God says, I've, I've already put the fear of them, they're already, they're, I mean, they're terrorized by the very thought that you're on the other side, you're east of the Jordan River. You mean all these slaves, piddly things with no weaponry, very little weaponry, a whole bunch of goats and, and, and cows and all that, you mean that's who we're afraid of? Yeah. God says, listen, I've already worked in the hearts of those to whom you're to minister. And what he's telling him here, in this passage of Scripture, and in, in the testimony that she gives, Look with me at verse 23 and 24. And so the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint before us. Because of us, excuse me. They said, God's already given us the victory. Brethren, we have the victory already. It is keeping our hearts upon, your safety is already secured in God. It's because I doubt God, I get away from God, that I remove myself from that protection. I repeat disaster here. Joshua sends only in two spies. How many originally went in? Was it not 12 men went to spy on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. He sends two in, secretly. He doesn't want Israel to know. Because if these two guys come back with a bad report. I've just been reading in my devotions in Psalm 73. Here is the psalmist, Asaph. He's saying, he says, listen. Why is it that all the wicked are prospering? Why is it that I who want to serve God and, and then I see my neighbor I see my coworker, and man, I mean, they have a whole bunch of money and things are going well and this is going well and this is going well and I'm serving God and I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I'm pain. Why is that going on in my life? And God tells Asaph here in Psalm 73, he says, listen, I don't want you to talk to the people about your struggles. You can talk to me. And then God reveals to him, he says, listen, you know what's happening to the lost? They're going to come to quick destruction. They're going to have terrors come upon them, and they're going to be fearful, and they're going to be running. They're going to be going all over the place because they don't have me as a refuge. Christian, we have a lot of repeat disasters in our lives because we don't just stop and see what God wants to do with our lives. God's already given the victory for our lives. He already has a plan for your life. So trust him. But because I want to do it my way, I Joshua deals very wisely with this. But we want to do it our way. God is saying, cleanse your heart and prepare to serve me. That's all I want you to do. We in our lives we say, well, there's an enemy. There's some bad people ahead of us, and I'm afraid. Rahab tells the most wonderful thing. And and you want just a quick aside here, another little rabbit trail. Rahab is a harlot. She's a prostitute. She will end up marrying one of the Israelites that would be in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's not what your past is like. It's what your faith is like in Jesus Christ and what God can do. Don't look at your past. Look at what God can do. Amazing. You can go down that for a while. But... We come to the Lord in prayer this morning. I want you to think about, are you going to, in your life, a repeat disaster because of a failure to just trust God? Israel before, they came in. They sent the 12 men who went in. They came back out. Ten of them were like, the giants are so big! Ah! The walls are so strong! Ah!" And God had already, Rahab tells him, she says, we're already fearful smitten in fear. You can be in the safest place or the most dangerous place, and you can be safe if you're in the will of God. You leave the will of God, you leave the protection of God. You are no safer than unless you're in the will of God. And here is Israel, about ready to enter into the very promises of God that God had given some four hundred and 400 years plus, 470 years before to Abraham. They're about ready to embark on the promises, and all that they need to do is just trust and serve. Friends, if we try to do life our own way, we make life a lot more difficult. The movements of your life, the jobs, the relationships we do, we need to make sure God is in it. We go the wrong direction we make a lot of bad decisions and we'll add a lot of pain to our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I yield today to Thee. And God, I thank You what an amazing Savior You are. Father, I just ask and I yield today to Thee. God, I'm just just the messenger. Father, I pray that this message, You would speak every word through me that I ought to speak, refrain every word that I ought not to speak. And Lord, I pray that You would convict our hearts to do what is right. God, to know that we carry with us victory on our side. That God, we have the greatest, we have you. Lord, you've already written the end of the book. You've already written the end of history. Father, you know the end state of our lives. Father, I pray that in our lives we would say God's already won the battles. Lord, rather than looking at the circumstances surrounding us, we would look to the Almighty God and say, what do you want us to do? Lord, may we not doubt in the dark, which you reveal in the light, as the quote goes. Father, help us to be found faithful. Lord, I commit this time to you. I pray, Lord, that this message would work in the hearts of the listeners, continue to work in my heart. Lord, to just live by faith. Father, I love you. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I want to first of all talk about a sanctified people. This is the exact scenario Joshua finds himself in. A very tactical move to send these two spies in secretly. Uh, Civilly and militarily, he discreetly sends these spies to understand the city of Jericho. Now I want you to notice with me that they're in Shittim. Look with me at Numbers, chapter 25, we're going to look, look at the first uh, nine verses here, Numbers, chapter 25, and as I was, re- in my devotions, as I've been studying them there in se- Psalm 73, you know, in my own heart, there's own struggles and challenges, we all have our own struggles, and it's on a daily basis, I'm there talking with the Lord, and God's talking with me, and Just meditating on his word and struggling, you know, and here in Psalm 73, as I've been doing my own personal devotions, God's been saying, listen, you may have your own fears, but you don't let the world know where you're at. You can bring your fears to me because the world, as they hear about maybe the things that I'm struggling with or you're struggling with with respect to God, they're going to doubt God and their end state is destruction, which is hell. Hell. You and I, our end state's already secured. We're going to heaven if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if I bring out all of my struggles as someone who doesn't know Christ or is weak in the faith, I have the possibility of weakening their disposition towards God. We need to bring God the praise. And Rahab does a wonderful job. She says, we're already afraid. She's saying, God's already given you the land. It's kind of like going, I remember, Mac, I used to play soccer, and uh, I, I was on a team that was horrible, horrible. I mean, we lost every game, and it wasn't just like a little loss. I mean, it was like we got our backsides handed to us. We lost big time. We were a bad team, and I was on. A, I was an under, 13, under age 13, and I was 10 years old, and I was a tiny little kid. And uh, you know we'd go to these games and we're like, oh man, those guys are good. And you know we'd already lost the game in our minds. I mean, we were bad. We had one game that we tied. That's it. I I don't remember how many games we played. We lost every game. It was miserable. I mean, it was miserable. I I mean, I like the exercise and I like that, but it was kind of like you're going to the game. Okay, we're going to lose again. You know, (laughs) we we had already lost the battle. I didn't like that. I don't like losing. And I would give it my all, and we'd, you know, I didn't have all the skills. I'm not, I like sports, but I'm not necessarily the most athletic. But I like them. Anyways, I digress. Numbers chapter 25. Israel is in Shittim. In, in, ver, in this chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 25. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. The Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun. The fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor, And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. He went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. So they're here in Shittim, here's Israel. And uh, here is Israel going after the Moabites, and God says, get rid of the leaders that are taking you down the wrong path. They have a previous, this is their previous starting location, preparing to enter the promised land, and it's here where there's Baal worship. Here in Numbers, the doctrine of Balaam has become the issue. Now, what is the ba- doctrine of Balaam? Is materialism. It is really going after the pleasures of life as your satisfaction. If I have a little bit Christmas time, wonderful time to really, I mean, in regards to materialism, all this stuff that I can gain into myself to make me happy. You know what happened? Remember the story of Balaam, Balaam's donkey, the donkey talking to the man in the scriptures Revelation chapter 2 talks about him, and then also in the, in the Judges it talks about him. But a man, Balak the king, wanted Balaam to curse Israel. And Balaam said, okay, I'll do it. I mean, Balak goes from here, here's all this money, curse Israel for me. Okay, I'll do it. God says, no, Balaam, you're not going to do it. So Balaam eventually tries to make his way, and, uh, and then God puts an angel, the donkey sees it, Balaam doesn't see it, and he's striking his donkey, you dumb donkey, bum bum bum, you know, and the, the donkey's like, hey, why are you hitting me? That'd be pretty amazing to have a donkey talk to you, it shows you how foolish you are. God finally opens his eyes, he sees the angel, he's like, oh man, I failed. Balaam understands, finally, so Balaam realizes, I can't curse Israel, but you know what I'm going to tell Balak to do? I'm going to tell Balak to put a stumbling block, look with me at Revelation chapter 2, last book of the Bible, we'll come back here to Joshua, but Revelation chapter 2. You know what God does, in you not God, but uh, Satan, excuse me, Satan does in our lives? He's not going to, you know, for those of you, if you've been in church any time and you have some doctrinal grounding, he's not going to bring... Uh, uh, you know, a heresy right against you, you're going to say, well, that's false. I don't believe that. He's not going to do that. Because you know right and wrong. You have some idea what's right and wrong. What does he do? He casts stumbling blocks. So you have a repeat disaster. Let's look at me Revelation. I'll explain this a little bit further. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou wast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So this is the church of Pergamos. And uh, he's talking about this. He said a stumbling block. What is it? How about a little bit of work? And now this work, I'm going to end up working extra. Now I'm not able to go to church anymore. That's a good stumbling block. Or how about uh, you get in a relationship with someone who doesn't love God, and now in this relationship, they're leading you in a direction that's not closer to God. That's a pretty good stumbling block. To destroy you. How about a friendship saying, hey, you know what, there's nothing wrong with playing softball or hockey or anything. But then you get these sports, and you say, well, I can't go to church today because I got sports. That's a pretty good stumbling block to get you out of God's will. Little by little, he works to pull you and pull you just a little bit at a time until you find yourself out of the will of God and you're on a recipe for disaster. Balaam Balaam says I can't curse Israel, but Balak if you want to get them then start letting Israel marry those beautiful women in your in your community. These young Israelite men are going to start marrying and these women are going to you know these men of of Balak and his kingdom are going to start marrying the the Israelites and vice versa and you know, you're going to be in these relationships. But they have different views on life. You'll never, not never, but almost never, if you get in a relationship with someone who's not in the same direction as you're going towards the, the Lord, you will always go to the lesser. And you're going to go down a bad path. They're saying, well, they love, they're a Christian, but they're not going, they're not really faithful to church, and they're not this. You're going to go down that same path. They're not going to pull you, you're not going to pull them up, they're going to pull you down. When you're out there trying to rescue someone in the water, and if they're flailing around, two people are going to go down. You've got to wait until that person passes out, and then you get them, and then you take them in and rescue them. But if they're flailing, trying to do it, it's going to be very hard to rescue them. Unless you have overwhelming power. But you won't. Especially in a relationship, your heart will lead you in the wrong direction little commentary on this. Apparently what took place is this. Having failed to directly curse Israel, Balaam uh, took Balak aside and advised him, advised him to send loose women, immoral women from Moab, down to befriend and sexually seduce the Israelite men. This is what Balaam does. This guy that's hitting this donkey, he says, well, I can't curse Israel, so let's send these women who are okay to have sex out of marriage. And says, what is implied is that the daughters of Moab were not disagreeable to such a plan. There evidently must have been a significant number of them so engaged. Balaam knew that sin, thus introduced in the camp of Israel, would bring the wrath of God against them. He therefore so counseled Balak, who was more than willing to compromise the morals of the young women of his realm. Additionally, Balaam evidently also counseled Balak to have his people entice Israel to partake of the offering sacrifice to Baal, their god. Little by little, just little steps. Relationships, wrong relationships. Wrong relationships will take you down the wrong path. Thus they drew Israel into actually bowing down to these gods. No doubt the foods offered were the finest. The the willing women of Moab, no doubt, were attractive and seductively attired. Thus there is a clear allegory how Satan works. This is Sorensen writing this. He knows God is angered by sexual immorality, therefore he tirelessly seeks to entice Christian people to this day toward that base end. He knows he thus can neutralize God's work, bring chastening to God's people. The fact is, you go down the wrong path, you're going to get God's judgment. What happens if Israel goes down the stumbling blocks of Balaam? They no longer have God's power on their lives. They no longer have God's protection. And then... They're just like Samson. We're going to cut off his hair and we're removing his strength. And you're removed from the strength of God because little by little you've made little compromises here and there. And you don't have God's offenses. You don't have God's protection. You don't have the peace of God. You don't have God answering your prayers. And he does so today. What Balaam was not able to do in directly cursing Israel, he was able to accomplish through the back door as would be seen. The doctrine of Balaam was and is spiritually destructive for God's people. And what would happen? The the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. At this same location, Moses gives a stern warning about entering to the promises of God. Look with me at Numbers chapter 33, verse 49. Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 33. My friend, you cannot be a friend of the world and expect to have God's hand of blessing upon you. It will not work. Joshua understands. He said, oh man, we've been here and shit him before. It didn't go very well. We spent 40 extra years outside of the blessings and promises of God. And the question, because of murmuring and complaining and lack of faith, how long do you and I stay out of the blessings of God because we complain and we murmur about our circumstances and we plain flat out just don't put faith in God? Is He not the God of eternity? Is He not the Creator? Is He not the Savior? Why can't why, we come back to that same spot? Another, I mean, if you don't pass the first test, God's gonna bring it again and bring it again and bring it again. You're like, why does the same thing always keep happening to me? Why is there always these problems in my life? God can say, because you keep failing the test. You pass the test, you'll go on to another test. Start trusting me. I am God, and there is none else. Numbers chapter 33, verse 49. Numbers chapter 33, verse 49. And they pitched by Jordan from Beth-Jeshemoth, even unto Abel-Shittim, in the plains of Moab. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out... What's the next word? All. All the inhabitants of the land from before you. And destroy what? All... Their pictures. My friend, today, many times we're watching movies, videos, TikToks, YouTube that are inappropriate and indecent, pictures that are ungodly and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places, and ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. Listen, the promises of God are already given to you. It's in the bank. It's in the bank. The money's there. But in order to to get it, receive it from God, you just have to trust Him. Let's go on. And ye shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more ye shall give the more inheritance, and to the fewer ye shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth, according to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit. But, but, you know God always gives us warnings, and I'm so thankful for that. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them Shall be pricks in your eyes, thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Just a little illustration from this. Have you ever had someone, you know, like, I had younger siblings growing up, and they're like, I'm going to tell mom and dad, you're like, leave me alone, please. You know, you're going to have this, always these little chihuahuas, these little dogs just chewing at your feet. I mean, they're going to be just biting away. I mean these dogs are coming after you. You're like, get away, you keep pestering me. Go. Get lost. He's saying they're gonna be thorns. They're gonna be, they're gonna injure you. If you don't follow what I said to get rid of the idols, you don't follow what I said to remove what you need to remove from your life, and you don't put your heart wholeheartedly in me. What is God's first commandment? The greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, strength, and mind. That's every part. He says, get rid of those bad images. Get rid of those pictures. Get rid of those high places. What are high places? These are the places that you go to, you spend your time on, you spend your resources on that are not of God. He says, listen, the land is yours. How would you like it if someone said, I'm going to give you a million acres down on prime uh, ranch land. It's yours. All you need to do is follow me." And you knew the character of the person you were to follow. He said, "Just listen and obey me." And they said, "We love you, we care for you, all of, your, all of your provision will be there, all of your clothing, all of your housing, all of your utilities, all of your taxes, everything's covered. You just need to obey me." You're like, "Well, that's a deal. That's the same deal God's given in our day-to-day lives. But we, but we do the but. But God, can I leap a little bit? Can I have a little mistress on the side? Spiritually speaking, right? I, I mean, if you think about it from a physical sense, well, I'd like to have a mistress on the side. I mean, I need to have my, my spouse, but I need a little mistress on the side just to, you know, kind of have a little bit of fun. God's saying, I don't want any of that. I want all of you. When you love him with all your heart, he said, I want all of you. Let's look at going forth. Verse 56 Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. If you want to enter into the promises and the blessings of God, you want to know God's plan for your life, you must deal with the idols in your life. You must deal with those areas of your life that are ungodly, because if you don't, you're going to have increased troubles and struggles. And you will remove yourself from the protection of God. You'll have increased moaning and murmuring and complaining and conflict and struggles if you don't deal with the sin in your life. The result of the idolatry in Numbers chapter 25, going back, if we were to go back there, is that 24,000 people are killed by a plague. Was not God with them? Did not God get them out of... It doesn't matter what God has done in the past. It doesn't matter the faith that you put in the past in God. It's everyday faith. If your faith is not in God, every day you're a recipe for disaster. God's simple thing. He says, destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. Get rid of all pagan pictures and molten images. And there is many times in Christians' lives... People are watching Hollywood videos with sexual scenes and all this drugs and alcohol and all this wickedness and we're watching it, putting it in our minds. We're putting idolatry and paganism into our very minds. We ought not to have any part of that. We, we don't know the peace of God. We don't know the joy of the Lord. We don't know how great and wonderful and godly He is. We don't know the plans that God has for us because I want my idols. I love them too much. Rather than running headlong, I mean, you think we're out of Egypt, hallelujah! I mean, you're just like, woo, we're out of here. We get to cross the Red Sea, God's like, woo, you know, we got to cross the Red Sea. Did you see that fish? Man, that fish was like 20 feet up in the water. We were walking through that, it was dry, it was amazing. I mean, it's like the ultimate aquarium. Let's get to the promised land, God's given it to us. Oh, there's no food. Oh, there's no water. Oh, Moses, you tried to kill us. How often do we do that? You get a bill in the mail. Huh? Huh. But Joshua does a secret mission. Joshua means Jesus in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy, the kingdom message of Joshua, as Rod Matun mentions, was rejected. When Christ came the first time, the Jews rejected him. Joshua, however, the message of the kingdom is obeyed. Joshua a prophet is the authority of the leader or king of the nation and leads his people into God's inheritance. When Christ returns, he's going to bring with him his kingdom with him. He will be in charge like Joshua. He will not return, not as a lamb. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming as a lamb. He's coming as the Lion of Judah. And you better beware if you're on the wrong side of God. Remembering the fiasco that happened 40 years, Joshua's like, God, God, please. I don't want to be in this desert anymore. God, Caleb and I, we were the men. God, Caleb and I, we were the I mean, we put our faith in you. We've had to wait. We've had to listen 40 years with all these whiners and complainers. There's nothing worse than being on a team with a whole bunch of whiners and complainers. We're going to lose. It's oh, oh, oh. you know? It's awful. Joshua says, I want to go on the land. I want to see what God has for us. But I don't want to do what we did before and mess it up. Joshua wants to understand the land, but he doesn't want to discourage the people. He wants information about the gates and the towers and the military force, the morale of the people, the water supply, a safe place for all of his families. He wants some idea of what's it going to be like when we get there. Joshua wants information, not on the entire land, but what's the next battle. That's all he wants. What does Joshua do? He takes one step at a time. My friend, every day is the next step for you by faith. We need to learn to master the principles of God's Word daily. I want to ask you, where do you get your source of encouragement every day? If you're not in this book meditating on it every day, Oh, pastor, not every day. That's just too much. I don't have time. But I'm sure you have enough time on your phone or on social media. My friend, I want to know the God of this book. And he wrote this book for me to know him. Joshua takes the leadership. He says, listen, I'm going to send two men covertly, secretly. I don't want the 12 spies to come back and be like, He doesn't want the two spies to come back and be like, Joshua, it's really bad. They're too big. No. Thankfully, the two spies come back and are like, whoa, you should see what God's given to us. Joshua sent the men to search the land of Canaan. Joshua sent the men to search Jericho, the next step. That's it. The twelve spies go in. They look at the land and they look at how big it is. You know what? I'm so thankful that God doesn't show us what our lives are going to be like. God doesn't show us what all the tragedies and traumas and hardships and and uh, blessings that God's going to give us. God doesn't do that, and I'm thankful for that. Sometimes you're like, "Well, I'd kind of like a thirty thousand foot view to see what my life's going to be like." No, we wouldn't. You know, there's no way. There's been some battles here in Thompson, and I'm you know I'm I'm going to be transparent with you, but I wouldn't choose. To come here if God didn't lead me here. And I'm thankful God chose. I like Thompson. I love Thompson. I, my house is here. I like how small it is. God's done a work here. But I would not have chosen to be here, uh, you know, just based upon the notoriety of the community. I wouldn't. Because if I knew all the, and if I knew all the struggles that I'd have to go to, and you knew all the struggles you'd have to go through, you're like, I don't want any part of that Christianity. But you know what all those problems do to you? When you're in those problems, you know what it does? It causes you to get to your knees, get to your face, and say, God, give me strength. And he says, all right, now I can help you. In Numbers chapter 13, the 12 spies come out, but the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. They're cannibals! They're really mean. They looked at me the wrong way. They called me names. If you go with the majority crowd's position, you'll never advance on the promises of God. If you follow the crowd, you'll never reach the down and out. If you follow the crowd, you'll stay where you're at, and you'll stay in the desert of Christianity. You will not proceed forward. Joshua sends two spies. He sends these spies out of the congregation of Israel without any f- public fanfare. Let's pray, f- let's pray for the spies. No. No news reports. Two spies going in to look at the land of Canaan. Not None of that. He sends them in secretly because he knows the people's heart is so weak. And they're on—I mean, they're right at the precipice of another disaster. Joshua, a man of great faith, understands the greatness of God. I want you to look with me at Hebrews thirteen six. I don't know if you've ever had direct connections with I'd say demonic influences in your life or demonic someone dealing with demonic spirits or something in their life. Christian, we don't need to be afraid. We need to be afraid of God. Fear of God, a reverence, a respect for God. But I don't need to fear Satan. Look with me at Hebrews 13:6. We'll look at verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. I'll give you a second to get there. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says, don't be covetous. Don't be materialistic. If you're not materialistic, then I'll be with you. Okay? Verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The problem is, and my problem, when trials come, and I look at them, I say, how do I solve this problem? There's a big enemy there. There's a big obstacle. That's a big bill. That's a big whatever. How do I solve it? God says, the Lord is my helper. Whatever happened to just simply saying, God, here's the trouble. How do I deal with it? And the problem we have so many times with this repeat disaster, this repeat circumstances in our lives, you're just like, man, life is a bit hard right now. Life is really bad. And I'm not saying you're not going to have hard times. Even if you are serving the Lord, not, you will have hard times. But lost people, people that don't know Christ have hard times. They live in terror. You and I don't need to. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what, what who shall do to me. Man! You mean the same person that is going to die, just like I'm going to die someday? Pending the Lord doesn't return? Yeah, I'm talking about that same person. Same flesh and blood? Skin and blood? Whatever? Who is God? And Joshua is saying, man, I just want to, I can't wait. I mean, you talk, remember, you know, that song, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. You know, what do they think they saw in Canaan? You know, grapes in clusters long. I'm totally butchering this up. My wife's going to be laughing at me. Anyways, you know, they saw Grapes clusters long. I mean, can you imagine two guys having to carry a massive cluster of grapes? Can you imagine just, like, biting into that thing, and it's just like, you know, just oozing all over you and you're just like, whoa, that's good grapes, you know. And I don't ever get a taste and see the goodness of God, because he's not my helper. Because I like the desert, where I can complain and moan and groan. And I can try to figure out life my own way doesn't work very well. We need to learn. No, we need to learn from our enemies. Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends them in. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, the twelve spies, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring it to the fruit of land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. He's saying, man, we're going in, and the harvest is plenteous. Needs a clear plan of attack, a preparation and planning. Joshua wants to learn about Jericho. Moses wanted to do the same thing. He wanted to prepare them to attack the enemy. But in Moses' situation, what happened? The people rebelled. If You fail to follow God's plan for your life. You have a liability of spending another uh, you know, 40 years in the desert. 40 years not knowing God's goodness. 40 years not knowing the peace and the rest of God. You better cross that Jordan River. If we are told by God, go on the highways and byways, come tell people to come in. We as a church need to be equipped through the word of God. Be able to use the word of God. We've got looking to have a tent meeting this summer. And God's put it on my heart. We haven't, when I get back, I've got this large map I'm hopefully going to bring back with me. And we're going to start praying over the neighborhoods of this community. Neighborhood by neighborhood. House by house. I want to see people come to know Christ. It's not of any ingenuity of myself. It's God doing it. We must be willing to prepare ourselves to be used of God. Christian, when you go to your workplace, if we're not in the Word of God in the morning, how can I be prepared to do what God's called me to to that day? You know what? We need to be willing to look past our, our, our past mistakes. You know what? We've all messed up in the past. Don't live in the past. Confess it and move forward. Don't live on the moaning and groaning in the desert of the last 40 years. Do what Joshua did. Do what these spies did. They said, wow, you should see what God's given to us. The only thing that is preventing spiritual, forward spiritual progress is your own willingness to submit to the Lord. You are on a recipe for disaster if you don't just simply sit down, pray and say, what does God want with my life? day by day. As I spoke about in Sunday school, there's a man of God. He goes to Jeroboam, and I'll conclude here shortly. He goes to the man of God. The man of God goes to Jeroboam. Jeroboam started all this idolatry. He's taken over the 10 northern tribes of Israel. There's 12 tribes. Benjamin and Judah stayed with Rehoboam. Jeroboam takes them. The man of God comes to Jeroboam and says, Listen, you're in gross idolatry. Jeroboam's like, I'm going to get you. He goes to put his hands out on him. God restrains his hands. His hands kind of like shrivel up. He can't touch the man of God. He gave the message. And he says, well, okay, come come with me. Jeroboam says, come to my house. The guy says, I can't. God told me not to. And just like what Balaam did in casting stumbling blocks, little distractions, little here, a little there. And this man of God, he ends up hearing an old preacher, an old minister, an old priest says, hey, come to my house. God told me in a vision, which was a full lie. So the young man goes to that old preacher's house and eats with him and God tells him because you disobeyed you're going to die you won't even go back. He goes he gets back he starts gets on his donkey he goes a lion attacks him kills him and the donkey and the lion stand next to this man's dead corpse. He failed to just follow God's word. Friend, we don't know the goodness of God because I'm we're just plain flat out not willing to submit to the Lord. And we never get into the promises of God, not, reeling, not realizing that the promises of God, the very people who don't know God could very well be afraid of the God that we serve. The victory's already won. Are you willing to do what God's told you to do? As we think about this a repeat disaster, you will end up in the hamster wheel of life, continuing to go through the same battles if you don't just say, I'm going to follow God's will. I'm going to do what God wants. I'm not going to let the world tell me. I'm not going to let my own thoughts, what does God think, and I'm going to go that direction. You can run from danger. You can run from problems all day long. But they're going to catch you someday. But if you have God with you, he'll give you the strength to overcome. This morning, you must first be willing to cleanse your heart. Stop any idols in your life. Number two, submit and be willing to serve. That's it. Confess and serve. As we come to the time of invitation, number one, you need a plan of attack. You need to confess any known idols or sins in your life. Number two, you need to be willing to submit. The first thing you need to do in your life, if you do not know Jesus Christ, there is an eternity awaits. There is hell that awaits those that do not know Jesus Christ. You will spend eternity in the lake of fire forever, never being able to satisfy, never talk to anyone else. You are by yourself for eternity in the place of eternal damnation. If you don't know Christ. If you don't know him, I'd love to show you this morning from the Bible how you can know for sure. If you do know him, And you said, I know I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He paid my sin debt. You can say, I know that. Then are you willing to advance into the promises of God? If you're not advancing, you're not making spiritual progress, why not? What is it in your way, what stumbling blocks have you adopted that are keeping you from moving forward for the Lord? You get saved, someone's next step is scriptural baptism, joining a church, being faithful to the Lord through the local church. Where are you at this morning? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, look back up. We won't have any music play this morning, but I'd like to just challenge you on those thoughts. Where are you, and how close are you to becoming another repeat disaster? Because of simply not proceeding in faith. What in your life? It's preventing you from moving forward for the Lord. It's not your past mistakes that keep you. Stop looking at the past. Look forward to what God can do. Here's Rahab, a prostitute, and she said, God's already given you the land. Many times we look at the circumstances, not at the God of the circumstances. And we fail to live by faith. When you're done praying, look up, and I'll conclude us in prayer when all are looking up. This is a time between you and the Lord, a special time, as God has spoken to your heart this morning. hope and desire for your life. I'm not trying to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh on my own life. But I, my desire is that each and every one of you would be all that God has created you to be. You would be all that God made you. We can finish our life and we would say, I might not have started right, but I finished well. And I trust that that would be the story of your life, that you finished well. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I yield today to Thee. Father, I thank you for these truths from Scripture that are challenging us to have a plan. That plan starts with knowing what you say. Father, yield us. We we yield to thee. We pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is resisting you from obeying that which is right, that they would turn, repent, and serve you. Father, how we love you. We thank you. What an amazing Savior you are. Give us a wonderful afternoon. Bring us back this evening. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.